we are talking today about Leviticus. I'll, I'll throw in there as well. Get in a good church. Full transparency. This is something I've struggled with a lot in the past. I don't know 100% the validity of this. Hey everybody, thanks for checking out another episode. So we have with us today, um, his name is Brandon Holland. Am I saying that right? I guess I should have asked you before we started. Holland. Okay, Brandon Holland. Um, got with us, Brandon Holland. Uh, I actually connected with him via Facebook. Um, was looking for some individuals for the series that we're doing. And uh, his story kind of stuck out to me. Um, something that uh, is when this airs mine should be out already but uh, similar stuff i've gone through but um i think different there's enough differences that i think it's going to be worth definitely worth looking at and i really think that his story is going to speak to some people and uh provide hope clarity um reassurance that you know really wherever you're at it's not the end um so before we get too much into it i'll throw it over brandon and you can whatever you want to set up to start, and then we can get into your story. Uh, yeah. Um, so like I said, my name is Brandon uh, Holland and uh, all through school, it was Holland with a D. And so I always had to correct that. So uh, at least you didn't, you didn't put a D on the end of it. Um, but yeah. I, we, like he said, we connected. I saw his message on Facebook. He was looking for uh, just different topics, things like that. So I reached out and thought, you know, maybe I've got a story to tell and I've been able to tell it to other people, just, you know, personal and, uh, it seems to be helpful. So I reached out and yeah, Jesse was kind enough to bring me on and let me kind of tell my story and the way God is just by grace, uh, changed my life and changed my marriage. Okay. So to start off the conversation, we're talking today, um, specifically with, uh, pornography. And this is something that, um, I've personally dealt with, uh, for, for a long time in my past. Um, even beyond that, my, I know it's something that has been in my family for a little while. Um, and so I, I know typically this is something that the, the age of exposure, um, is, is what is typically called, uh, you know, the first time that you are introduced to something like this is, is getting younger and younger and younger. Um. So I guess we can start there, you know, as, as, as a parent, that's something I'm looking at. So, so with, uh, you know, Brandon, with you, when this whole, whole situation started, um, you know, what was this like for you? Yeah. Um, so I, I really, I think it's a really good question. Um, so for me, uh, personally, my kind of introduction to, um, like pornography and those things came in the form of form of uh, like Playboy magazine or Penthouse or one of those, you know, the old, old magazines. Uh, Cause like in the early two thousands, when I was a junior high, I was probably 11, 12, 13, maybe somewhere in there. I don't know exactly what age I was, uh, but I didn't have a smartphone. Obviously that's kind of before, I mean, there might've been smartphones, but they were really, really expensive and only like certain people had them. We didn't have them. I uh, didn't have a laptop, didn't have, we didn't have internet in my house actually. So it was, uh, it was all the old, old ways. You had to have something physically in your hand. Uh, and somehow, so my neighbor, uh, has a, or did have, there was an old barn that sat behind her house that I'm not sure how it got started. Uh, but that was kind of like the neighborhood kids 
had a collection of magazines and this old barn nobody ever went in except for the kids we you know played there and stuff and i don't know if we found them in there or if somebody brought i have no idea how they got in there but like my earliest memory is you know probably that middle school age junior high age uh and you'd run up there and look at you know the playboy magazine and you know everybody would snicker or whatever they'd run off and that was kind of that was kind of the introduction that i remember um to it and so then you know you mentioned your family and like i think my son will be 10 in january and I just think about, uh, you know, as detrimental as like a penthouse magazine or Playboy magazine is to your brain, like it, you know, it affects you and it, it, it chemically changes what's going on your brain. That is, I mean, it's nothing compared to at the touch of a fingertip, what you have access to now. Um, and it's, it's so much harder to even monitor. Like there's, there's so many avenues, you know, I was outside playing with my friends We'd run down to the barn and, you know, there it was. That was kind of the extent of it. Uh, you know, with my son, we have to watch even like like shows on TV that you wouldn't think. You know, it's not like hardcore pornography, obviously, but there's just the things they're even insinuating and the things they're tying into just kids programming that you don't even think about. So we have to check programming. That's, even if it says like TVY7, you'd think, oh, okay for seven-year-olds i should be able there should be nothing in this i shouldn't have to worry about it then here comes something and so yeah i just it's definitely been a learning curve having a, a young son and trying to yeah help him navigate all of that and let him be a kid as long as he can be yep no i get that so i've got um so i've got two boys and uh it actually my oldest had a uh, tablet and I, I've made it a point since this is something that I struggled with before to I frequently check any devices that they have um, I've not they're aware of of struggles that I've had before but they're not aware of all the uh, the ways that you can get around different things uh, like you and I were talking beforehand um, you have to have a little bit of a balance in, in what you do share. And so I, I check the ways that I know that they can go about hiding their tracks and things like that. And um, I, I remember I, I came across, I mean, he was, he's 12 now. He would have been like seven or eight maybe at the time. Um and I actually ended up finding there was there's a lot of apps on this tablet that he had that were uh, not full on pornography, but they were very, very suggestive. Um, and I, I sat down and talked with him about it. And he I mean, he was really embarrassed, first of all. But he uh, what ended up happening was there's some game that he was playing and there was one app that was just a little suggestive that kind of caught his attention. So then he clicked on that and downloaded that game or an ad. Um, and so then he got that and there was more ads on that one. And it just went further and further and further and further until um, some of the ads on the stuff that he was getting were, um, I mean, it's about as close as you can get without it being full on uh, pornography, but it's, with with technology the way it is, it's so easy for kids to not even be looking for it and just completely fall into that. Um, 
Yeah, I know that's that's something that's definitely made me rethink kind of the whole whole thing is is parenthood and and having boys that are going to have to have to deal with that too. Um but uh so so going on from it, it, it sounds like and and for anyone that's listening, I I have a kind of a general overview of of Brandon's story. I don't have all the details and that was intentional because I want to be able to kind of listen along and, and ask questions that other people may be thinking as they are listening as well. Um, so it, it sounds like you kind of went into, I know, I know you're married now, um, and you kind of went into your marriage with this already intact, uh, kind of, I mean, dug into you, um, which again is something I can relate with as well. Um, so let's let's get into a little bit of that. I know that's something that when I first, I always had this idea that you know once you're married, it's not going to be an issue anymore. Um, it's not going to be a struggle anymore, and that is very much not the case. Um, and so um, before I'll, I'll let you, uh, you know, kind of bringing that into uh, a marriage, um, you know, spouse that's not expecting it, has no idea what's going on, and then just really seeing seeing. I mean, that whole thing kind of uh, uh, unraveled. Um, so I, I know your experience, I know you said you struggled with it for a while and uh, you ended up breaking free from it by the grace of God. So I'll, uh, I'll let you kind of talk through how that ended up looking, um, maybe some of your struggles there, and then what what maybe was the, the final uh, moment for you that really, really set the whole recovery in motion. Yeah. Um, well, so to give a little bit of uh, just a little more background story, uh, you know, moving on from from junior high. Uh, uh, so by the time I was married, you know, it was it was definitely more than just uh, skimpy magazines or whatever you want to call it. Um, so like moving into high school, you know, that's when uh, I was well, I, I could drive. So I had a lot more access to. I had a job, so I had money. So I had access to kind of whatever I wanted. And of course there was lots of those little shops and places you could buy, you know, buy stuff. And so, uh, yeah, that was kind of the main uh, factor probably in high school was just like being able to purchase DVDs, um, you know, movies, things like that. And I had my own money, had my own stuff. So there was no, no way to track any of that. So that high school, high school is what really, I think, you know, evolved into, you know, full blown, uh, problems. Um, so I met my wife at college. We went to uh, Mid-America Christian University. And um, as I was kind of thinking about this over the last week or two, since we originally um, had kind of text and we're talking about it, um, I think college is, I mean, I, I remember some of the high school stuff, but college is where I think it really, um, really started to take over a good portion of my life. And I think that was partly because uh, I was going to a Christian school and I, I did, I wasn't originally in a ministry uh, degree field. I was just getting my basics um, at a private Christian school. So the most expensive way to get your basics, um, not, not the best financial plan, but you know, here we are. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I just, I kind of went in, was getting just my basic class, didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, but even then, you know, I had to take like an old Testament survey class. Like it was still part of the culture of a Christian university of, you know, pornography is not something, it's not good for you. It's not, you know, it's against, uh, biblically it's against scripture. It's against God, you know, 
and so even uh, as as a new believer, um, uh, I, I you know I knew, and so I think that's why it really that's the time of my life where I can really remember a lot of that stuff because I, I was internally struggling with this um, identity of knowing I'm I shouldn't be looking at these things and and lusting after these things, uh, and then being completely uh, enslaved to it. And so um, I met my wife uh, my senior year uh, of college, and so. Uh, during college, um, I had been part of a uh, like a men's group with one of the professors. He reached out to eight or ten of the of the guy students that he were in some of his classes, um, and he was actually my uh, like mentor professor for my degree program. After I I stopped doing my basics, I got into uh, well, I was going to be a youth minister. I thought until I did camp teams one summer and realized that I don't want to be a youth minister either. And so I got into pastoral care, so like hospital visitation type stuff. And so this professor was the professor of pastoral care and specialized ministry. Um, And so he kind of took eight eight or 10 of us under his wing and tried to uh, just help us get through that battle. Um, There's uh, lots of programs, or at least there used to be, I assume they're still out there. Um, Like X3 Watch was one of them that he used that uh, I could download on my computer, um, I think, I think there's an app for your phone, or at least there used to be. And uh, you could put an email address in. So I put in his, his email address in any sites that I went to that, I don't know if it's every site I went to or just sites that it flagged. I can't remember now, but it would send them to him, just like accountability um, type thing. I think there's other ones too that people, and it was free. Uh, so that was that was helpful because um, then it, didn't, it wasn't up to me to confess or admit, hey, I, I totally dropped the ball you know, however many times this last week, like he, I would just go to these meetings and I just knew he had this, I mean, and then that's like so embarrassing to go and like somebody knows, I don't know. Uh, so that was helpful. Just being embarrassed, I think is a good, there's a little bit of shame. I think goes a long way. Uh, but so, so getting into, to my marriage, uh, I met my wife there at college. Um, she was getting a ministry degree as well. And I remember going through marriage counseling with the on-campus pastor, and you mentioned uh, the idea that once you're married, you know, that's going to fix it all. I can clearly remember sitting on his couch in his office next to my wife um, thinking, or next to my you know, future wife who I was engaged to thinking, oh yeah, once I'm married, like, why would I look at anything when I have the real thing at home? Like what, why would I do that? It just seems so obvious that it was going to just magically uh, fix itself. Um, and so, you know, and, and again, thinking about this, you know, at that time when we got engaged, um, I was probably looking at some, and of course going to college, I had a laptop. Now I had internet, just the access to it was so much greater than when I was a kid or even high school. Um, I saw this, I mean, I can remember I would get up early before classes, jump on my laptop just for that reason. Uh, I worked on campus and so I'd get out of classes and I'd go to work there in the building but I would get out of class. I'd go back to my room to get on my laptop uh, after lunch. I, it was four or five times a day, like every day, four or five times a day. Uh, it was just part of my routine. And, you know, and thinking about looking back on that, it's just, uh, it was just very clear how enslaved to it I really was. Like it was really, I mean, it was a, it was an aspect of my day. I would, I would miss going and hang out with people sometimes, or I'd delay going to hang out with people because it was after lunch and it was time to go get on the laptop. Um, I mean, it just, 
it's almost crazy to think how entrenched my brain was in this mindset of like, oh no, it's twelve thirty. I need to go get you know my fix or whatever. Um, so yeah, so going into my marriage, that's kind of where I'm at. Is just um, completely enslaved to it. You know, I had guys around me that, uh, you know, were addicted to it as well. I had that professor that was you know meeting with us once a week and trying to give us tools and just just trying to help us the best that he could. Um, but nothing, nothing I could do would just, you know, fix it or, or, uh, you know, make it go away. And so, um, we were, we, my wife and I had been married for who I probably should have asked her actually, uh, it's a couple years, two or three years. And, uh, early on, like, so like the first six months, you know, it's the honeymoon season, everything's, great. She's your best friend. There's nothing, you know, everything's fine. Uh, but that fades pretty quickly. You realize that you're both broken people. Uh, and we were young. I was, uh, 22 and she was 19. So we didn't know what we, I mean, we didn't know what we didn't know at that point. So, um, you know, things are fine. Uh, we ended up moving after about a year, uh, up to Missouri, which is where I live now. Uh, I moved to like Springfield, Missouri. Uh, which is about halfway between both of our families. But I remember, uh, yeah, th during that, like, I don't remember if I ever had a, a period of time early on in marriage where pornography didn't have the hold on me that it did before. If maybe those initial, you know, months, there was kind of that newness. And so I had some, uh, some motivation for it not to be there, but it didn't take long before all the old habits, you know, crept back in the, stresses of life or, you know, whatever excuses you want to make for yourself to, to, uh, to get, to fall back into it. Um, and so we'd been married, oh, probably, you know, three, three or so years at this point. And, uh, I, and this is, it's, it's actually super embarrassing to even think about it, but, um, I, I was completely addicted again at this point. It was, uh, I would look for opportunities and especially at this point, you know, I've got a, a smartphone, so it's all, it's literally in the palm of my hand at all times, you know, uh, we tried some of the stuff where like her email address would get like, uh, my web browser history. We tried some of that, uh, but there's ways around, sadly, there's ways around all that. And thinking back in my life, just all the in ingenuity and ingenious ways that I worked to get around safeguards for my own life is, uh, if I put half that effort into anything else, I'd be really good at it. But um, so yeah, I found ways to, to get around that stuff. Um, and I, but I remember when I finally admitted to her, uh, yeah, that I was addicted to pornography and that it was at this point, it's affecting our marriage. Um, I don't know how much detail, well, I mean, I don't know how much detail, but you probably know, uh, and, and most people that are listening to this episode know that, uh, you know, like masturbation, it affects even, uh, like your sexual drive and like things of that nature. So it was causing intimacy issues, you know, between us because of, because of that. And then just the stuff in my brain. Um, and so, yeah, but I had started to tell her about it on more than one occasion and, uh, chickened out because I was weak at the time, to be honest with you. And so I actually, I had, I wrote it in a note. Like I actually wrote down, sat down, wrote, a letter out to her because I didn't, I wasn't man enough to, to admit what was killing me, you know? Um, and so I sat on the couch next to her while she read that note and just watched, uh, just watch it destroy 
her completely. I mean, as, as embarrassed and as much shame as I had about um, what I was struggling with, it doesn't even compare to the injury I caused her and had to, and just had to sit there and watch her just read this note and, uh, you know, knowing what's in it. And uh, yeah, that, that was, uh, that was a turning point for me. Um, I'd love to say that that then right then fixed everything a hundred percent. I mean, it, but it didn't, uh, but that was kind of a major milestone in, okay, I need to actually get help. I need to, uh, this can't be a part of our marriage or we're not going to, we're not going to stay married at this point. Cause she was, she was pretty much done. I've got some, uh, I mean, similar situations. Um, I'll say mine ended up, uh, ending a little bit differently. I know, um, you, you had said that you guys are actually still married. You guys ended up, uh, I know you ended up getting, getting some help, uh, working through that. Um, I'm interested in, and, and I do want to touch on this a little bit, cause this is another, so, so I'm pretty passionate about this whole issue. Um, but specifically kind of how, how the church has dealt with this, um, kind of over the years, I feel like has been, there have been some people I think that have done good about speaking out about it and, and being open and candid about it. But I think for the most part, it has really been something that's, it's swept under the rug. It's dirty. We don't want to talk about this. Let's, let's talk about lying or stealing or uh, murder, you know, anything. We're just not going to talk about this when this is, is probably one of the biggest issues, I think, um, especially affecting the church in the West. Um, so I'm, I'm a little curious with, uh, you mentioned that you guys uh, went through some, some premarital counseling prior. Um, I'm curious about if, if anything like this came up there, um, if you know, maybe it did and you kind of rushed past it. Um, and just like what you have seen overall from uh, from the church, and it can be your church, not specifically your church, but just the church in general. Um, I know you said uh, you're in Springfield, Missouri. I actually used to live. I was I was little, but I used to live in Springfield, Missouri. Um, we went to uh, James River Assemblies of God there. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was, I was really, really little, I don't remember it, but, um, you know, just like your experience of how this has been, been handled in church. Um, my dad, actually, this is something he struggled with. He was, he was on staff as a youth pastor and he was, he was trying to get help for it. And I remember him, I don't remember this. I was really young. He went to his senior pastor and he told his pastor that he was struggling with this. And his pastor's response was, you need to get this under control or I'm going to call the district and they'll pull your credentials. And then he told my mom that it was her responsibility to make sure my dad got it under control, um, which terrible, terrible handling of the situation. Um, but I think that's, that kind of summarizes a lot of the church's, how the church handles this. Um, so just in, in your experience, have you seen, have you seen things that are 
different to, to what I, I shared there as a story. Um, obviously, you know, not every church, not every experience is going to be the same. Um, so what have you seen from the church? And then maybe from there, you know, kind of maybe walk through um, what your, what kind of led you to, to finally getting out of this? So to clarify, uh, so I actually don't live in Springfield anymore. I realized when you said that, that I just kind of stopped talking about all the times we moved. Um, so we moved, uh, we moved to Fulton, Missouri, and then now we're in Joplin, Missouri. So it's pretty close to Springfield, but we actually kind of made a circle there. Been in Joplin for about seven years now. Um, but yeah, so uh, how the church has, um, so I, I guess I'll, maybe I'll talk about two different ways, like, uh, like my personal experience, but then also kind of where I think, um, just in general, the, the, how the church has handled this. Uh, so starting like with the more just, um, kind of general way, uh, I definitely agree with a lot of what you said. It just, it, um, we're, we're really good about talking about, you know, lying or, uh, or other sins. Like those are, I don't know why they seem easier to talk about. Uh, they seem just less, uh, they seem less dirty, I guess. I don't, I'm not sure if that's the best way to put it, but they just seem people are less embarrassed if they have anger issues or things like that, even, you know, potentially uh, maybe drinking or like if they drink too much or something, it just seems to be easier to talk about like, oh yeah, I probably, I, yeah, I probably yell too much or I probably do this or whatever. Um, or like with like the sexual, you know, sins, they just seem, uh, I think the devil is really good at, making guys think that they're the only one in the room that struggles with it. And when it just in five minutes of conversation, you realize, Oh no, there's, there may be one of us that doesn't, but probably not even one, but I have a, out of 20 guys, maybe one guy really didn't, but most likely all 20 of us. And yeah, it just, it, but for some reason, uh, it's, well, it's, again, it's the devil is really good at making us think that, Oh, don't, don't tell them about that. That's, that's weird. That's, that's, don't, yeah, that's gross. Don't, don't even mention that. Tell them, yeah, I got upset and, you know, I kind of lied about, you know, how much I work or whatever. And then we'll just pray for that. And we'll go on. We'll, we'll leave the big sins kind of in the back. Don't, don't bring those out. Nobody else has real struggles. You just keep your mouth shut. So, um, and that's not just like a church thing. I just think that's a general attitude that guys have. Is it just, yeah, it's a struggle to even talk about it. Um, so in situations in life where I've been around, guys that are just honest that are like, yeah, we all, this is something that in some capacity we're visual creatures. God made us to, to visually desire that. Um, but sin has corrupted it and twisted it and turned it into this disgusting thing. Uh, it, you realize real quickly, like, Hey, we're all in the same boat. We're on the same page. Um, and so, yeah, I think the church in general could get better at just giving men, a place to do that, but then also having it be uh, maybe not just all like, I'm trying to think how to work, like all feelings based. Like it almost feels like too on the other side of it. You're like, Oh, we're just all like singing Kumbaya and we're hugging and everything like that. Like, but no, it's like a manly, like, Oh no, like you're supposed to be the protector of your family. You're supposed to be the protector of your wife. Like it's part of protecting her is, is keeping yourself um, away from that kind of stuff. And so I think there's a way you know, talk about it that, that maybe isn't always helpful as it always seems a, we don't want to talk about it because it's, it's gross and dirty. And then B, it feels like if we talk about it, it's just going to be all 
kind of emotional and like, you know, I don't know how to describe it, but then there, there is a way to approach it in a, in a fashion of like, no, we're men, like we're, we're made to, to fight for our wives. We're, we're made to protect them. We're made to provide for them. And this is a detriment to all of that uh, and how we're, we're created by God to, to be that um, companion for our wives. And so I think, yeah, trying to figure out how that, um, how you can get those programs, uh, that kind of uh, mentality in the church. Um, I think it's super important. I don't know how you do that. I, I'm sure there's stuff out there that's like that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's mostly in my life. It's been other guys that have come around me and been um, understanding, been relating, but then also been like, hey, you're being stupid. Stop it. You know, it wasn't, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. We're going to, it was like, no, knock it off. Like you're, you're a man. Do you, it's time to grow up, start being a, a boy and you're going to be a man. So it was kind of that, that both end of like, yep, we all struggle with it. And now we're going to, we're going to fight. We're going to fight it and we're going to get through it. So, um, so yeah, I think that's that'd probably be the best approach. I would think just in a general aspect. Uh, so for, well, I don't know, do you want to, do you want me to keep going or yeah. So, uh, I think so, like on a more personal level. Um, so after I uh, had confessed to my wife uh, through it, again, not in a manly way, through a letter, because I wasn't man enough to tell her, um, uh, we, my brother and sister-in-law, uh, at the time, he was a uh, family pastor of a church uh, actually here in Joplin. They're a big reason of how we got down to Joplin. Uh, but we were about three hours away in Fulton, and uh, they actually came up um, a handful of times. And met with us, had dinner with us, and tried to do some counseling um, with us. Because at that point, I realized um, that my wife, uh, if something doesn't change, she's going to leave. And we had our son was little at the time, and she basically stuck around because we had a we had a child together. And uh, she's told me now, I didn't know at the time, but my sister had um, asked her to, even though it wasn't easy to put up with me to love me at the time, she asked if she would just for a month get up in the morning, pray and ask God to give her the strength to, to choose to love me that day. And that was kind of the tools that she gave her um, while I was struggling with my internal stuff. And I was uh, meeting with my brother-in-law, having lots of phone conversations with him, um, which was super helpful. Uh, but it was very difficult living in Fulton and, and getting counseling um, three hours away. Uh, so, well, so, yeah. So to back up a little, just a little bit. So we actually, I worked for the state and the state provided counseling. They would pay for like six sessions or whatever. So we actually went to counseling, the state provided counseling. And that was, uh, was very interesting to say the least. This lady was not a Christian. She, I remember when we told her like what the issue was, she was like, I, why is that an issue? I don't understand. He didn't, he didn't cheat on you with another, like a, like an actual person. So she had no concept for why we were like, no, this is, we, we need help. So it kind of worked because then we were kind of together and like, this lady's crazy, but um, that didn't last long, obviously. So my brother and sister-in-law were thankfully gracious enough to, to make the trip uh, as much as they could phone conversations. But I remember, so the church we were going to at the time uh, did a, uh, like a drawing to give away Silver Dollar City tickets, which is a theme park in Branson for those that don't know. Um, so my wife and I actually won the Silver Dollar City tickets. And so I called my sister and I was like, Hey, we got tickets to Silver Dollar City. We're going to try to go, you know, whatever weekend it was. And they had season passes because they lived 
you know, they live in Joplin, so they're close enough. And we, so we met them down there. And I remember, uh, we were in line for one of the rides or something. And my sister, I was just me and my sister at this time. And she's, uh, she's about 15 years older than me. And so, um, I spent a lot of time as a kid going to her house and hanging out um, with her. She all, she, I mean, she's my sister, but it's almost more like an aunt. Like it was just, they were always older um, than us. And so I grew up a lot, just learning from them and kind of being, you know, hanging out with them in the summers and things like that. So uh, she asked me how my marriage is doing. And of course, in typical, you know, man fashion, I lied directly to my sister and said, Oh, we're good. Like everything's, everything's fine. Like, what are you talking about? We're good. And uh, thankfully, by the grace of God, she asked my wife like 10 or 15 minutes later when they were alone. And again, thankfully, my wife was like, oh, I think I'm going to leave. Like, I think I think we're done. And so then my sister goes into like panic mode and she's trying to, okay, what's happening? Explain to us. And that's what kind of started the whole counseling thing and all of that. Um, but yeah, I'll never forget that day of like my sister coming back to me and be like, Hey, your wife told me actually that you're not doing well. And me having to look her in the face and be like, yeah, I lied directly to you. Like, I, but I'm so thankful that God placed them in my life to, to be honest with one another and to force me to stop pretending like everything was okay. And that started us down this uh, like year long journey of moving to Joplin. Uh, we had bought a house um, in, in Fulton. I was working for the state. So I had a, a pretty decent job. Uh, I was a corrections officer and then I worked maintenance at the prison. So it wasn't like a, a glorious job, but, um, had good benefits. Yeah. They took care of a lot. They took care of, they took care of us. And so, uh, I agreed to move, but I didn't want to move until, you know, I'd found a job until we were going to be, I was going to be able to provide. Um, I think some of that, a lot of that comes you know, from my dad, just kind of teaching me like, Hey, you're going to provide for your wife. You need to provide for your family. And so I had, I kind of had that instilled in me that, Hey, we can move. But then I think there was probably a little part of me that was like, okay, when I move, the real work starts of, of having a better marriage. And so I think I was hesitant. And so that was almost like an excuse. Like it was a good excuse, but it's almost an excuse of like, oh no, I have to find a good job. And I have to have all these things set up before we can move. Um, so that was a Silver Dollar City trip was in like August, September, if I remember correctly. And then that December, my brother and sister-in-law uh, paid for us to go to a marriage retreat that they actually were hosting. They hosted one every year through their church um, down here uh, around this area, Joplin area. And uh, so that was their Christmas gift to us. It was like, Hey, we're going to pay for you to come down. You just have to drive down and everything else is covered. So we came, went to that. And uh, it's not that that retreat was some kind of like magical switch that just uh, changed my mindset or changed my heart or automatically fixed everything. But the, my biggest takeaway from that weekend was being around other couples that truly cared if we stayed together. Like they genuinely, they had their own struggles, they had their own stuff they were going through, but just being around other couples and hanging out, playing games, fellowship with people we didn't know um, up until that Friday when we got there, it was the first time we'd ever met you know any of them besides my brother and sister. Uh, but they just genuinely cared, like, how are you guys doing? You know, and so that really shifted my mindset on how important the Christian community really was to um, to struggles in general, but then specifically like this type of struggle. And so that kind of sent me in high gear of like, okay, I got to find a job. And within a few months, we we had moved, put our house on the market in Fulton, found a townhome down here, and I'd found a job and stuff like that. 
Okay. Okay. So it's, uh, it sounds like I would say, and I, I would probably agree with this in my own life. And then from, from other individuals that, uh, I've, I've talked to as well. Um, it sounds like one of the bigger factors for you, for you in this situation is really the, um, that first step into transparency. Um, and I've, so I've done, I've done counseling with, with, like I said, uh, a few different guys that, that have had this issue. Um, and one of the things I tell them is that there, you have to learn there's a difference between honesty and transparency. Honesty is if you ask me a question and I tell you an honest answer, transparency is if I come to you mm -hmm. before you ask the question. Um, and so yeah. that. I think for me, that was probably one of the hardest steps to get past. And I, I remember like so many situations in my own life um, where I had similar what you're talking about with your sister. You know, she asks you and you're, oh, yeah, it's all good. And then once they, they get around that and they go to uh, the other person that's impacted by all this. Um, and it's one of the best things for this is to have people that care about you enough to hurt your feelings, uh, that aren't afraid to tell you exactly how it is and be honest with you. Uh, but no, that's, that's, that's good. I like that. Um, so with, with all this, um, I'm going to switch real quick to my notes. And I've noticed every time I switch off and I switch to my notes, it's when you get kicked. So hopefully you don't. If you do, jump back on and I'll, okay. I'll stay with it. But uh, yeah. Okay. I think we're good. Uh, so what, if anything, we've kind of talked through your story. Um, start to finish, really. Now, on on this side of it, um, what if you could say one thing to somebody that's that's not through this yet? Um, and it, it can be different for people in different different uh, stages of life. Um, you know, maybe somebody that's that's not not married yet, or someone that is married um, and they're they're keeping this a secret or um, maybe somebody that, that's in the, the worst spot that you ever were, where, I mean, you're battling this, but you know, that your marriage is on the line. Um, just, if you can give advice, if, if one of those people is listening, one of those guys is listening, what would the, the one piece of advice you would give to them, um, in really trying to, to get past this? Hmm. And you, you can, I know that's uh, summarizing a lot yeah. of it. You can, you can take a minute and, and think too. Yeah. And uh, so I kind of like you mentioned, you know, depending on what stage, uh, you know, what stage of this, this battle you're in, what stage of this fight you're in is going to kind of adjust the answer a little bit. Um, so even, uh, so before I answer that, so even before, like after I admitted to my wife um, and I saw that just the pain that I caused her, uh, it still was years of me having to, at least I never had to write a note again. I was able to verbally tell her 
hey, this week was not a good week or, or however I said it. And so uh, you would think even just knowing how much I'm pain I'm causing her would have rewired something in my brain. But even then it wasn't, it was the beginning, uh, but it was still years of battle of, of all that. So I think if I had to give advice to somebody um, and trying to cover that full scope of like maybe, you know, high school, college, not married, single, doesn't really understand, well, this doesn't hurt anybody. It's just me. I'm single versus the, and, and covering clear to the guy if, that's been married you for would, 10 years. And if you'd rather go, do like, this is what I would say to this person. This is what I'd say. If you want to break it up, mm -hmm. you can, you can do that too. It doesn't have to be one okay. overarching. <laughs> that's uh that's a little difficult, but yeah, yeah if, if you'd rather break you it down. You don't need like a fortune cookie. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. No, if you'd rather break uh, it down, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I, with that idea of like an overarching thing, and then we can kind of talk maybe individually, um, is just, uh, I think the biggest thing would be just not to give up, like just to know, um, yeah, that it, it, it isn't, it isn't innocent. It isn't, even if it's just, you. so if you're single and, and it's just you and you're thinking, you know, I'm a high school student or college or age or whatever, but, but it's just you, you're single, you don't have a spouse. It's not causing you know, hurt to a spouse. Uh, it, it does hurt you. I know it doesn't seem like it at the time, but I can like in my own story in life, I can look back. Like when I was kind of thinking about my background as we were kind of gearing up for this episode. Um, and I can think about the start of like what I would just like regular pornography, just run of the mill, regular stuff. And then by the time college was over, the things that it like, it always seemed to escalate to the next step of whatever you were looking at. Uh, I'm not going to give any detail on any of that, but like just looking back of the escalation of that and the things that it took because then it, because the, the regular became normal. And so it wasn't that dopamine hit or whatever anymore. And so I had to go to like a, a more perverse, weird version and that just trickled down into just things I can't believe ever crossed my mind to type into a laptop, you know? Um, and, and so, yeah, if you're that single guy, like it, it does, it's detrimental to you. It's detrimental to your physicality. Um, it caused uh, sexual issues. My wife and I, like it caused uh, like insensitivity type issues for me because of just rewired my brain to only be, um, uh, like turned on by that type of visual uh, thing. And then that certain kind of like stimulus that comes with watching pornography. Uh, so it, it is detrimental. And um, like on the other side of it, if you're, you've been married for years and something you struggle with, uh, you know, you're injuring not only yourself, but your wife, you know, your family, if you have a family, it's a, it's causing problem and all, all that. But I think to kind of tie it all up, if I could, try to bring all together. Uh, I like what you said about the difference between honesty and transparency. Um, most of us, well, some of us, and most of us probably could be honest if we were asked directly, like, Hey, are you struggling with this? And with somebody we knew and trusted, we might be able to be honest with it. Um, but we're not going to be transparent, uh, naturally. That's not our normal. I'm not going to go up to somebody that I know that it's a good friend of mine and be like, Hey, I'm struggling with this. They're going to have to ask me and probably ask me multiple times before I ever. And so just knowing that whether you're, whether that single guy or whether you're 
you've been married for decades and it's a struggle now. Um, finding other guys in your life that uh, understand the struggle, um, that are steps ahead of you in beating that struggle, that they don't have to be completely out of that battle or anything like that. I don't, I don't know if we ever really get all the way out of that battle. Like I still monitor movies I watch and things like that because I don't want triggers to re-trigger things in my brain. Um, but just finding a sense of community of guys around you that will ask you the tough questions. They'll come up to you and be like, okay, how are you doing? But I actually mean, you know, how are you doing? Not uh, how was your golf game this weekend or how's the weather? I want to know how your heart is. And so finding those guys, uh, a handful, a couple, whatever it is of guys in your life that will uh, drag you out into transparency. Um, generally, they'll probably be older than you. I don't think they have to be, but generally I'm going to guess they're going to be older. Uh, they're going to be, they're going to have some of that wisdom. Uh, some of the things that come with just living life. Uh, yeah. And just being, yeah, I like what you said about transparency. Like it's a good way of putting it because I can specifically remember thinking, well, this doesn't, this doesn't hurt anybody. It's, I mean, it's just me. It's not a big deal. Uh, and once I'm married, it'll all go away. I won't need to watch this anymore. Um, but even just realizing like the people that are in that, like in those, in the, in the scenes or whatever, like it's damaging to them even like those are other image bearers of God that uh, for whatever reason are, are partaking in that. And so even just keeping that cycle going of like creating a, a creating um, like a, not a fund. I'm trying to think of the word now. My brain's going to not help me, but just like creating a, uh, consumer like it, like consuming it creates people to want to make more of it because they're consuming it. Like people are consuming it. They're making money off of it. And so just keeping that cycle going uh, is damaging. I mean, I've listened to, you know, testimonies of former actors and actresses in those types of movies and them talking about just the detriment that it caused to them personally. And so um, it's really easy to think that it's not a big deal because it's just you and your iPhone um, it doesn't seem like it hurts anybody, but there's always somebody that's injuring, uh, whether it's just yourself uh, or if it's because like, you have a family or friends or whatever. So just, yeah, I think if I not have rambled on here for 10 minutes. Um, yeah, I like that idea of transparency. Uh, I think just finding a sense of community because that's what helped me the most was not trying to battle it on my own, not thinking, well, if I just if I just try a little bit harder today, then I'll get through it. It was... Uh, being fully reliant on on God and his grace and him putting a community of people around me that uh, asked me the hard questions and wanted to see me flourish and how God had created me and wanted to see my marriage flourish. Good. That was good stuff, man. Love it. All righty. Um, I think that's, that's about it. Do you have i I'll, I'll, I'll throw it out to you one last time. Um, any, uh, any other closing thoughts or anything else you want to, you want to leave people with? And then um, I know we talked a little bit beforehand uh, about some other stuff that you're doing. So if you want to feel free, uh, all the, all the shameless plugs you want to throw out there for absolutely anything you're doing, um, where, where can people find you, listen to you, read any of it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess just final thoughts kind of that same vein of just, uh, man, if you're, if you, if you're a guy that listens to this episode later, um, don't think that you're alone in it. 
I don't think that there's something you've looked at or viewed or whatever that makes you uh, too, too beyond redemption. Um, and we're all in the, in the same boat of things that we've looked at that have damaged our minds and our brains and caused us uh, lots of pain. But the wonderful thing is Jesus is um, the perfect savior, that his grace covers all of that and, and more. And so don't ever feel like you're beyond uh, saving or that it's just, you've done too much. And so, yeah, just repent and then go find some guys that are going to drag you along and ask you the tough questions. Kind of my final thoughts on that. Um, and then, yeah, so uh, I have a Substack is kind of where uh, I do some of my just like hobby writing or podcasting. Um, and that's at Rooted Reason uh, is the Substack link. Uh, there's also a Facebook page that you can find for Rooted Reason. Um, and I, I mostly write about uh, like apologetics or theology uh, type stuff. And the same thing with the podcast. Um, it's mostly apologetics based. Uh, here recently, I've been going through just some theology stuff, like some Arminian theology uh, type stuff. And then, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the only plugs I have. So I'll, uh, I'll, uh, so I'll get, I'll get links from you for okay. um, the Facebook page and the uh, Substack, and we'll put them both in the description of the cool. video. But um, I may have to pick your brain and bring you back on sometime because uh, apologetics is, is one of my um, biggest, biggest passions. Like I absolutely love it. Um, yeah. And I've within the last, I'm just like my nature, I'm drawn to uh, kind of debate um, discussion type stuff. Mm -hmm. And so uh, growing up in church, it's led me to kind of really, really be drawn to apologetics. But recently I've, I've really started getting into, um, I don't know who first coined the term, um, but evangelistic apologetics. So not, hmm. not just, knowing apologetics so that I can win an argument or so I can make someone else look like they don't know what they're talking about or no. um, really bringing it back to, um, you know, first Peter three fifteen. a lot of people know, you know, always be prepared to give a defense, but a lot of times they forget the last end of that, that actually says that you need to do it with, with love and kindness. Um, mm -hmm. And so like realizing that we're not, we're not out to just win arguments. We're out to win people to the kingdom. Um, nice. and so doing it for that purpose really changes your approach in it. But, uh, I just actually, it was supposed to be it's supposed to air Thursday last week. Um, but I was traveling for work and I wasn't able to, to get it done. Had a bunch of issues. Um, but my first apologetics episode is going to be hopefully out tomorrow. Um, oh, but, nice. uh, yeah, I mean, I'll to, check it out. May have to, yeah, have to touch base again and uh, and bring you back on for that. That'd or, be cool. Uh, another cool. one sometime. Yeah, definitely. All righty, everybody. Thanks for watching. Basically, that cool. Don't forget to hit the like button, subscribe, and ring the notification bell so you always get notified when we come out with new content. Which we do full videos once every week, and we have shorts come out throughout the week, uh, even on the weekend stuff. So you can actually click up here and it will take you into uh, the playlist this video is from. If you like that, you can see some more that's more specific to what you just watched. Or you can check out down here and it'll take you to YouTube's top pick of our content for you specifically. Thanks. God bless.